Stop! You violated the law. It's the full preview podcast. USC 295. Okay, what's up guys? It's your boy Feño. This is the full preview. We're talking about UFC 295, Prochaska versus Pereira. Um, uh, two title fights. We have a interim title fight for the heavyweight title and the main event, as I already said, uh, for the light heavyweight title, Jiri Prochaska. As we know, he relinquished his title after getting injured, and he's now trying to regain it against former middleweight champion Alex Pereira. So, two very exciting fights, but two that I also am not sure if I have much to say. We'll see when we get into that. This is going down uh, Saturday, 11-11-2023 at Madison Square Garden, New York City. We have 13 fights, and as always, we'll begin with the very first prelim, moving our way up to the top until we get to the main event. So yeah, let's open up. Let's open this up. Uh, the first fight of the night. It's uh, let me check here. <laughs> we have a featherweight bout between Denis Bushuska and Jamal Emers. So Bushuska. Uh, he's a well-rounded Serra Longo fighter, uh, big and des- decently athletic for the weight class. Busukia does his best work moving forward, picking his shots and putting short combinations together. He's a dexterous kicker who can attack all levels and has an affinity for flying knees. But he does his best work with his hands, especially when he remembers to go to the body. He has a, a, a neat little left hook to the body. He's a decent but not outstanding wrestler and grappler. He can be surprised with shots at open space and tends to grind attempts against the cage uh, too much for my liking. He's better as a mad wrestler and as a BAJ grappler. He scrambles well from most positions, stands heroes during transitions, and he has a very good ability to take the back. Uh, he has good ground and pound and, and also like solid top control and that rounds up his ground game. The defense on the feet is nothing to write home about, but he's pretty tough, he's well conditioned and carries power late into the fights and his opponent Emers, uh, he's long and athletic, well rounded, he likes to mostly fight at neutral space, he has good footwork and long punches and kicks to maintain range, he can punctuate combinations with leg kicks against retreating opponents and can also catch them with body kicks and high kicks as they are circling. His straight punches are good even though he can lose his stance with throwing the rear hand sometimes, Uh, but his hooks on the other on the other side of the coin are very loopy and can leave him open. His defense is at his best when he has control of the initiative at his driving counters and he does a good job of sleeping and ducking shots. And he also takes angles and grabs clinches for defensive purposes. He has good dirty boxing and knees from the single collar ties and from underhooks and is very good at defending takedowns with either underhook or wizards taking angles to kill shots. He's a good grappler, but he can be vulnerable to escapes and reversals during transitions and passes. Uh, he has solid ground and pound, good cardio and shin. The biggest flaw for Emers, the biggest flaw for Emers is that uh, he has a bit of trouble taking over close fights, as he can be a little bit risk averse at times. 
So this is an interesting fight. Uh, probably it's going to be a fun one. Uh, but this one is one where Emers should have a technical edge on the feet. Buzukia probably uh, the more assertive fighter of the two, if you get what I mean. Uh, because he's more willing to take risk. Uh, so maybe he has a shot of just turning like what good exchange into momentum moving forward of the fight. Or he might be able to like just, just get stuff done late. Uh, maybe catching him with a big shot late if Emers like gets distracted or loses loses the side of the ball. Uh, despite despite that, I still gotta side with Emers here as a more structured and nuanced fighter who can match Busukia in both like size, athleticism, and he holds some key advantages on this one. So Emers by decision is the pick. We go down to flyweight now because it's a prospects kind of fight like. Uh, between Joshua Ban and Kevin Borjas. So let's begin with Ban. Uh, Joshua Ban is uh, like a smooth and athletic boxer with a functional kicking game to add variety. He pokes with jabs, side kicks, front kicks and leg kicks from range looking to find spot to either put longer, co longer combinations together or time head kicks. He can draw counters with the jab to look for pull counters and can also slip shots or take angles when he's uh, the one that's having the initiative. He does his best work on the front foot as he finds better openings to land variety and his defense on the back foot can fall apart uh, because he depends a lot on lean backs and backing up a lot when he's on the reactive side of, thi of things. The takedown defense looks solid so far and, does so, and, and so does his ability to scramble back to his feet but he hasn't been tested that hard in that regard. He keeps a high pace, has a good chin and the cardio seems to be up there too. On the other hand, we have the Peruvian, Borjas. Uh, Borjas is ag an aggressive combination puncher who fights behind a quick, sharp jab that serves as a foundation for his boxing game. Behind that set jab, uh, it comes an accurate straight right and a nasty left hook, which he can land for big damage to the body. Uh, I was talking about earlier this week about his neat left hook to the body. Uh, his good understanding of rhythm and shot selection allow him to find the mark with combinations and even though his head movement can be a bit lacking at times, he does he does a good job of angling, parrying and smothering to keep himself safe. Uh, low kicks and knees add variety to his game. Uh, he's a good mover on the outside and he's a capable jabber on the back foot. And will try to regain footing with a good use of misdirection, so watch out for the ability of Borjas to box on the, on the back foot. Uh, Borges is also a capable clinch fighter as well. Uh, he will look for knees and elbows during breaks and is good at pushing opponents away, away to find shots. He's a solid defensive grappler with a strong wizard, is patient and will wait for the right spots to work his get-ups. But that patience can, can cost him as he can spend a lot of time in his back against the wrong opponent. Uh, cardio and shim seem to be good. His biggest flaws are his lack of urgency on the ground at times as, he, as I just said. And he can get carried away with low combinations and he can be open for counters, so watch out for that. I think this is a great duel between young strikers uh, with similar levels of experience. In one half we have the smooth uh, Van who presents danger with his setups and swarms against the cage. And on the, other side we on the other side we have Borjas who will look to string long combinations together and has a consistent pop. It is hard to know where both fighters are right now and how they will challenge each other. Both seem limited defensively and, and also both seem like similarly tough and conditioned. Uh, in my opinion, Bang has the edge when it comes to staying safe, 
but I'm not sure you want to be hitable in the pocket against someone like Borjas that has like that nasty left hook. Even though I think Ban has the edge in process on this one, I don't think he has the tools to avoid a firefight with Borjas. And if they go into a firefight, I gotta side with the Peruvian because he's, in my opinion, the better fighter inside the pocket. So my pick is Borjas by decision. We move up one division up to Bantamweight. And we have a fight between Kyung Ho Kang, Mr. Perfect versus uh, Sexy Mexi, John Castaneda. Incredible duel of nicknames on this one. Uh, let's begin with Kang. Uh, he's a rangy kickboxer, has a good jab and a one-two that he can complement with damaging leg kicks. And also front kicks to poke and maintain distance. He doesn't move his head much but he manages distance well and can make good use of a responsible high guard or parries when he gets the right read. Uh, the jab has gotten more layered with time and now he can play with the rhythm of it and land it off level changes and dips and can mix it up with the left hook to keep his opponent guessing. Defense can be lacking during long combinations but he can hide behind his lead shoulder looking for the check hook or change level for clinches and takedowns. He has good level changes into double legs and single legs that he looks to finish efficiently cutting tight angles. Uh, not much of a grinder for takedowns nowadays. Uh, but he's a very good grappler and scrambler with heavy top pressure and passes, the rear naked choke and the arm triangle changeup uh, once he gets to mount is particularly dangerous and his go-to, but he also has a sneaky armbar triangle series from his back so watch out for that as well. Uh, defensive wrestling for Kang can be lacking if he's surprised during striking. And uh, the defense overall for striking gets weaker during prolonged exchanges. Uh, but other than that, Kang is like tough and well conditioned. On the other hand, we have Castaneda, I would describe as a stocky, powerful softball that switches stances often. Uh, he's all about the 2-3 changeup, you know, the straight left, the right hook. Uh, Castaneda is at his best when he gets to pressure. Uh, as When he's moving forwards, he's managing distance, looking to land big single shots until the opponent allows him to swarm. Uh, he also has a very sneaky high kicks and uppercuts that surprise the opponent when they are getting used to like the jab, the straight left and the right hook. And, uh, the defense of Castaneda mostly relies on hand fighting with the uh, hand fighting with the lead hand to get a read on the rear hand, slipping the first shot or try to get an angle or retreating to resume the pressure. He can be put off by straight shots and feigning mostly. His wide sense and wrestling background make him difficult to take down and he's a good mat wrestler who is difficult to control. Uh, he is a solid wrestler and, and BJJ player and uh, both as a scrambler and controlling from top but that's clearly like not his A game. He wants to strike during most of the fights. Uh, he's conditioned and tough but he falls apart when he's put on the back foot. Uh, this is an interesting battle about between two contrasting styles. A lot in this fight is dependent on Kang's ability to get the jab going against a Salpa in my opinion. Because if he can, uh, he will be he will probably be able to poke Castaneda from long range. Um, and that will allow, allow him to relieve a big amount of pressure. Uh, but even without the jab, I think Kang has a few tools. Uh, a clean straight right and good check hook coming from a longer frame in this one. Uh, Castaneda on his part needs to get the pressure going and he can and if he can swarm Kang uh, he needs to take all of those opportunities. Grappling is also an interesting question as Kang I would say is the superior grappler overall but Castaneda is the better pure wrestler so 
uh, I think it will be kind of hard for Kang to take this one to the ground. Uh, on the flip side, if Kang gets hurt, he can probably use his grappling to stall and recover, but if Castaneda gets hurt, he might get submitted. Uh, this one feels like a conflict, but I'm siding with the Jeff-centric approach of Mr. Perfect here, so I think he's going to outpoint Castaneda and picking Kyung Ho Kang by decision. Next, we have a lightweight bout between Jared Gordon and Mark Madsen. Uh, Jared Gordon, he's well-rounded and consistent. Those are like his defined uh, traits. Gordon will jab and move at distance, mixing a good amount of body shots with no level change and a healthy dose of kicks, looking to close distance with shifting combinations where he'll attack both levels and mostly favoring the left hook for his big connections. From there, he often collapses into clinches where he's a solid dirty boxer. Inside, he has good head positioning and fight for grips well. And he's also an adept uppercutter from the inside, with both hands and can surprise with hooks or elbows from both sides during exits. He moves his head decently well, but he can be vulnerable to straight shots, especially when he's looking to pressure. Uh, he's a solid wrestler and grappler, he will mix in takedown attempts and is content to grind against the cage of the attempts if he doesn't succeed with them. Takedown defense and scrambling ability to get on top are high level, I would say. He's good at fighting grips and feeding the single leg to pressure the head and leap leg out of uh, the single leg attempts. He's also quite versatile with the guillotine to sweep and create movement, especially because he doesn't like settle from, from bottom position when he doesn't have the guillotine. He's very good at using butterfly hooks and reversing from there. Uh, for Gordon, the lack of a third gear and his average athleticism are his biggest weakness, I would say, as he's forced to get into repeated exchanges where craftier fighters can figure out his timing, exploit his defense patterns, and on the other side, more athletic fighters can just win exchanges landing less, but like more significant shots. And his opponent is Madsen, a decorated international record wrestler, multiple times world, champ uh, world championship silver medalist, and also a one-time Olympic silver medalist, so a very high-level wrestler. Uh, as you would expect, he's a great athlete, he packs power, but he's a bit stiff and inexperienced on the feet. Uh, he's only like uh, 13 fights into his MMA career, hasn't been on the UFC for too long. He's, he's like, this is like his fifth fight, I think. That's not so little when it comes to experience, actually. Uh, but yeah, he's a bit inexperienced, but he does know how to lever his wrestling advantage. Uh, big leg kicks and right hands are the main scorers, but he has shown the ability to put a stiff jab out there, and he would be better if he got more consistent with that, I think. He can freeze, especially during prolonged exchanges, and he can get tagged pretty bad, but the shin seems to be fine, to his credit. Uh, to the surprise of no one, he's a very strong wrestler, both technically and physically. Uh, he will attack the legs with a double leg, turning the corner well, but he obviously shines in the clinch. He's a Greco wrestler. Uh, he's not only good with like the expected Greco, uh, Greco takedowns that are all upper body, but as most uh, Greco guys that transition into MMA, uh, he uh, has become very good at incorporating the, the hip toss, the trips, outside trips, inside trips, everything that it's like upper body plus legs, uh, he has gotten very good at. Uh, if he gets to top position, he can be very heavy from certain positions. And he's also very dominant from the front headlock. And from the front headlock, he will attack with guillotines and dark strokes, so watch out for that. Uh, but the thing with Madsen is that he can have trouble establishing solid positions because he can get denied be before getting to those very heavy positions. Like, 
his side control is very heavy, but sometimes like guys can just stall him in half guard and something, things like that. And especially fighters that are good at like creating a space with submission attempts and things like that. Uh, cardio can be a concern if fights go long and he has to work on like grinding takedowns, so watch out for that as well. Uh, this fight pits the consistency and experience from Gordon against the athleticism and wrestling of Madsen. Historically, Madsen has had trouble keeping people in the ground and Gordon is a good wrestler and BJJ grapple, uh, grappler who will probably have a lot of tricks to get back up and denying heavier top control positions that Madsen likes. It will probably come down to what is Madsen able to achieve with the takedowns. Uh, her house is he going to land in the multiple exchanges Gordon will force him. And how the cardio fares if we get into the second half of the fight. Uh, Madsen's power, improved striking and having like an expertise in wrestling would give him a very good shot at winning this fight. Even if it goes long, I think it's probably uh, still probable that Madsen takes it. Uh, especially because Gordon can also get tired, like he he's very consistent, but the cardio has not been like five stars. Uh, he's like well conditioned, but the the pace can also get to Gordon. And and as I said, he doesn't have much pot, uh, pop in his punches. He has to work hard during fights. But even considering all of that, I'm still expecting Gordon to just be a better striker, being crafty, crafty enough to not get control. I think the the grappling of Gordon is very underrated. So I'm going Gordon by decision here. Next one should be very exciting. We stay at lightweight and we have a fight between Nassim Sadikov and Vyacheslav Borshev. Uh, let's begin with Sadikov. Uh, Sadikov is a pressure in Salpa who is dangerous from both sides. I mean with both with both legs and both hands he throws heat. He likes to get his opponents to the face to force them to exchange where he puts good combinations together that attack all three levels meaningfully. While moving forwards he uses a good mix of head movement and active high guard to protect and he's also good at parrying kicks and returning with his own counter kicks. Despite pressuring well uh, with his feet, he likes his opponent to set before putting combinations together uh, so he can be susceptible to good outside movers. He's a strong clincher and aggressive with good knees, elbows and uppercuts. He's a versatile wrestler, both defensively and offensively, has good drive on the double leg, uh, but he can be vulnerable himself to leg attacks when he's pushing forward, so watch out for that. Uh, maybe not in this fight, but moving forward in his fights. Uh, he's an urgent but safe scrambler when he looks to return to his feet. Like he's like always looking to return to his feet, but he won't take any chances. He like he has a, a very good mix of like urgency and patience. He has like the right balance there to get get back up. Uh, his pure BJJ is good as well, especially from top position where he has solid passes and very good back control with a dangerous rear naked choke. Uh, the cardio machine, toughness, athleticism, all looks to be above average, so Sadikov looks to be a very complete package here. Uh, on the other, his opponent is Borshev, Slava Klaus. Uh, Borshev is a rangy boxer with a big left hook, <laughs> that's the best way to define him. He's like He likes to move around on the outside, disrupting and measuring with the inside leg kick, that, that kinda works as his jab, he's not much of a jabber for establishing distance at range and he's waiting for entries to, um, he either waits for like entries or counter opportunities. As I said not much of a jabber at range but he makes good use of the jab during exchanges like he he will throw the two, disrupt with the jab 
or if you're exiting range after a combination, he will throw a long range, uh, a long jab and catch you like that. Uh, Borchev best moments come when he's able to slip shots behind his high guard and come back like with like big hooks. He, despite being this very like lanky tall guy, he has like this peekaboo style of hiding behind the, the guard, slipping a shot and coming back with the uh, the devastating left hook. And when he goes with the left to the body, it's very heavy as well. Uh, Borchev is also a hard kicker. He will punish fighters for circling for circling with kicks on all three levels. And Borchev is also a solid clinch fighter. He's dangerous with big uppercuts from the color ties and he will make good use of footwork on the inside to move opponents into shots during breaks. And obviously the big hooks that he throws are present during breaks as well. Uh, wrestling uh, for Borchev have been improving steadily, I would say, since moving to Team Alpha Male. Uh, he's like an athletic scrambler, but he can have trouble with like nuanced chain wrestlers that know how to attack Boss and put him uh, flat on his back. He has shown the ability to get back to his feet, but wrestlers have, have been like Borchev's kryptonite so far. Uh, this should be an exciting fight, and it seems like both fighters should get a bit of what they want. Uh, Sadikov will get to pressure on this one, I think, and uh, Slava will give him the exchanges that he wants, and Slava will also get a lot of opportunities to counter with, uh, to counter with the volume uh, of Sadikov, and will probably also don't have trouble getting on the inside. Uh, the X factor here comes in the form of Sadikov wrestling. Uh, that being the part where Borshev loses fights on the UFC, as I said. Sadikov isn't likely to put on the wrestling singlet for the whole fight, but I think he will. Uh, he would be wise to make some takedowns attempts and put uh, his very solid grappling to use here. Uh, one thing that Slava has going for him is that he starts quick, and Nassim, a bit of a low, slow starter, Nassim starts like uh, pressuring right on, but he gets uh, a bit on getting the volume going. So maybe Borshev can can gain the upper hand early with his big power and he's sharp out of the gate. So watch out for that. Uh, this one, another one that feels like a like a contest. I mean, it depends on a lot of X factors that we don't know how how they how they are going to play out. Uh, it really depends if you trust the well roundness of Sadikov or the more like, damaging inside striking of Borshev. I've been going back and forth on this one, to be honest, but I think I'm going with Sadikov by decision here. And yet another lightweight bout. We have Mateusz Rambeski against Roosevelt Roberts. Uh, let's talk about Rambeski. Uh, stocky and powerful southpaw that mostly likes to pressure behind uh, the threat of his very heavy rear kicks, uh, particularly to the legs, but also to the body and he throws both roundhouses and like a snap front kick to the body, so watch out for that. Uh, Rambeski attacks on all three levels and does a good job of moving his head after he throws his left hand, so there's a bit of proactive defense built in his style. If he gets his opponent to defense, he lets go with combinations, particularly a long left uppercut to the body, followed by a right hook on top, very trustworthy combination for him. He does a good job of corralling and keeping his opponents busy with the jab as well. And against the fence, he will draw for takedowns and his wrestling is aided by his great physicality and the strength. And also like his compact frame give, gives him easy, easy level changes. He's solid from top position 
does a good job of mounting and tri triangling the legs and is also effective from side control. If he gets to crucifix, uh, that's one of his favorite positions. Uh, the pace from Rambeski can get out of hand and the defense gets weaker uh, when he has less output, when he gets tired. But even when he gets tired, he has the wrestling in his back pocket and he's mentally very tough, I would say. On the other hand, we have Roberts, who is coming back to the UFC. Um, Roberts is like a very long and relaxed striker that prefers to operate like a, at open space. He feints and jabs well and has a quick, long, straight right hand that he sneaks in between with like zero tail. Uh, Roberts is all about distance management. He likes to deny the exchanges backing up and circling on the outside. He likes uh, to close distance on his own terms to land like stepping knees or grab collar ties. Um, from the collar ties, he has very good uppercuts. A lot of good uppercutters from collar ties in this card, I gotta say. In the pocket, he's very reliant on on lean backs to avoid shots. Um, and in the, against the fence, he's very hard to deal with because he has like very good levels, both for wizards and collar ties. And he can land like solid knees that he doesn't need to bring the lead uh, up too much to land them. And he can also drop levels for takedowns of his own, so watch out for that. Uh, Roberts is good during transitions, he's well-rounded and fights like a well-rounded fighter. Uh, he has decent offensive wrestling, but he depends too much on his length uh, to defend takedowns. Uh, Robert has good BJJ with dangerous front chokes, but has had trouble with heavy top players in the past. Uh, Robert's biggest problem is him having uh, trouble taking over fights, uh, especially when he doesn't have like a clear advantage in the striking in the grappling. And despite the having like good cardio, because his relaxed style allows him to not spend much energy, uh, a lot of his advantages get nullified when he gets put on the back foot. Uh, the height and reach disparity on this fight will be absurd. Uh, Rambeski is uh, built as five foot seven, and he might be five foot six. And Roberts is built as six foot two. And at worst, he's like six foot one, so he's a very tall guy. Uh, but this, yeah, the, the, that difference uh, gives me a bit of uh, pause picking Rambeski here because uh, when it comes to like the stylistic matchup, uh, he has a lot of advantages. He's a pressuring fighter with good leg kicks, with body work, with good top control. Those are all things that have troubled Roberts in the past. But the size disparity will probably give Roberts a lot of leeway with maintaining range, uh, getting to do the things that he likes despite being the fighter that is being pressured. And yeah, maybe Roberts just has a chance at just poking from the outside, denying bad entries with his frame. That said, I still gotta go with Rambeski. Uh, just because he has a lot going on for him in the matchup and in more than in more than one area that's what like keep the skills to me in the end if Rambeski just had like the 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 striking in the matchup or uh, would depend on the wrestling in the matchup I would be more tentative to pick him but with all the advantages he has I think he will make up for the like height and reach disadvantage so my pick is Rambeski by decision. Next one is a strawweight bout between uh, 
Tabata Richie and Lupita Godinez. Let's begin with Richie. Athletic and compact wrestler, moves on the outside, feigning and potshotting with jabs and leg kicks, and either waits for counters or tries to close the distance with blitzes, on which she shows a good variety of ideas, mixing elbows and uppercuts in her combinations. She's disciplined about moving her feet and circle after throwing. The circling, level changes and clinches alleviate uh, her otherwise shallow striking defense. She can, uh, she can fight takedowns both on the counter as a response to kicks or right hands, or he, she can drive her opponents to the cage to work finishes there. She has good top control, but she's not really damaging with ground and pound. She does have submission during transitions, but she leans on the conservative side of grappling, so do not expect like to abandon position for a submission. Uh, the problem for Rich is that she can get figured out as fight goes long, and her card just seems to be just fine. I think there's a there's a noticeable drop in output and defense during third rounds in Rishi's fights. And her opponent is Godinez. Godinez is like an athletic wrestler boxer, heavy on the front foot, always ready to, to throw a big overhand or change levels into a takedown. A stiff jab and left hook help her with variety and she's attacking the body more often uh, with them as well, uh, with the left hand, be it with the jab or the left hook. Uh, Godinez is not much of a pocket boxer, but she can put her hands together if she needs to and that can help her with like scaring foes or closing with clinches. She has some good ideas about her movement, especially ducking under strikes, which helps her with getting clinches as I said, or shooting for takedowns. Uh, Godinez on the feet mostly struggles with straight shots. Uh, Godinez is physically imposing. Doesn't have great entries to her takedowns, but she can chain wrestle very well to get top position. Uh, from top position she rides, uh, both with like wrestling rides and BJJ based top control. Uh, she has heavy and active ground and pound from top position. She can relinquish position sometimes just because she just goes for damage. Uh, very different from Rich in that aspect. Um, the lack of depth for Godinez in any particular particular area can hurt her in long fights, but she usually makes up for it with the physicality, the good conditioning. Uh, this is a matchup between two fighters with similar attributes but very different approaches. Uh, both girls are used to be like the stocky wrestler in the equation and now are probably finding themselves in a striking bout is my guess. Uh, this pits the mobile stick and move style of Rishi against the against Loopy, who tends to sit more on her shots and usually thrives in a bit of uglier fights. I think Rishi needs uh, the wrestling safety blanket more than Godinez, um, so I'm expecting Godinez to win a decision via landing the heavier shots on the feet. Our final prelims should be a banger. We have a flyweight bout between Steve Erceg and Alessandro Costa. Erzeg is a lanky and upright striker on the feet, quick hands put tight combinations together and has natural pop. Uh, length and flexibility allow him to sneak kicks with good power at the end of combinations or naked at range. Uh, Erzeg has somewhat suspect defense on the retreat, he usually circles well after two or three steps but he can keep his chin up in the air for the taking. Uh, Erzeg does move his head decently well when he's looking to counter. Uh, he can slip shots or weave under shots when he's the one initiating exchanges. 
and in the clinch, Ayrsegui is smothering, constantly looking for body locks to get takedowns, and lands good solid knees from over-unders while he's pummeling. Uh, Ersek is not great at shooting at the legs, but he can use shots to create clinches and force grappling situations. Um, he's a dynamic and dangerous scrambler who can find the front choke or the back from a number of position, positions and is very good at finishing submissions from both both the back and the front headlock. And he's also like a good mat wrestler, getting reversals and using the single leg from bottom. Uh, he's not invulnerable to being reversed himself though, especially because he's so aggressive with his grappling approach. Uh, the relaxed style on the feet by Erzeg allowed him to maintain pace very well late into fights. And the chin also seems to be a strong point for him. Uh, his opponent is Costa, a stocky and powerful striker with a wide stance. He likes to feint steps looking to jab or land brutal calf kicks. His power shots are all about the 2-3 and the 3-2 changeup, uh, opting to go to the body often with the left hook. That's a very good shot that he has as well. He can counter uh, with the straight right and the left hook. And he can also has like a tight right hook uh, when he's on the counter and that can make him very dangerous. And he can close distance either stepping into range or shifting with, shifting with like 2-3 combos and then putting the kicks at the end. His tense, athleticism and frame make it hard to take down and he fight grips and takes angles well to deny uh, the takedown attempts. But he can be surprised by reactive shots, especially when he's throwing the right hand. So maybe something to look out for there. Uh, not much of his ground gain against uh, high level opposition is known, but he has shown uh, solid base, balance, positioning and vicious ground and pound when he finds uh, himself on top going for finishes. From his back, he has shown patience for close guard, uh, controlling reads, looking to push off the hips or use butterfly hooks. Uh, the defense of Alessandro Costa on the field mostly relies on slipping the first shot to come back with counters. And he has had a weakness for feints and straight shots, uh, especially when he has like trouble seeing them. And when he gets uh, in the visuals of reacting to a jab, for example, that can dampen his volume. Uh, this one is a very interesting fight between two contrasting styles of strikers, but both who carry power and danger. Erzeg looks to have a pretty big height and reach advantage, and that probably plays into his hands as his, consist as his inconsistent head movement has gotten him cracked before. He depends a lot on distance to avoid shots. Uh, on the flip side, Erzeg has been uh, leg kickable in the past and Costa has brutal low kicks. But uh, Costa needs to watch out for the long straight right of Erzeg if he goes to the, to the low kicks too often. Uh, grappling on this one is a bit of a question mark. I would expect Erzeg to be superior on the ground from what we've seen on previous fights. But Costa has been very difficult to take down so I'm mostly expecting a striking effort here. It's a winnable fight for the Brazilian, especially if he gets his attrition game going with the left hooks to the body, the big calf kicks, but I got a side with Erzeg, who seems harder to put off his game and has a few key advantages here, uh, size and probably the grappling and also the chin, uh, Costa has been knocked out in the past. Uh, I'm picking Erzeg by submission on the third round after hurting Costa. Before moving on to the main card, 
I want to remind you guys that the full preview podcast is brought to you by X Marshall. X Marshall is a combat sport brand dedicated to supporting the jiu-jitsu community. Their goal is to create a fun training environment with unique and exciting designs and promote the gym culture we all love. X Marshall offers a range of products including rash guard shorts, spats, skis, streetwear and training equipment. Use code the fight site to get a 10% discount on your order now, that's the fight side, all caps, no spaces. And for the best deals and discounts, sign up to their mailing list and follow their socials at xmarshallofficial. Also, on a more serious note, uh, more serious than the world of MMA, I want you guys to check the link on the description for a coffee campaign. We're trying to help our, our community friend, two men that I, I'm guessing a lot of you know for for his podcast on the fight side in the past. Uh, he fled his uh, home country of Russia uh, because of the war uh, with Ukraine. And he's trying to seek as- asylum on the United States, but he's currently under detention in a ICE center on very bad conditions. So uh, we're trying to crowdfund some money to get him a lawyer uh, to get him out of there. So guys, if you, if you have any money or something that you can help us with, uh, check out the link in the description and you can make a donation. Thank you so much, guys. Every donation is deeply appreciated. Now moving on to the main card. Opening the main card, we have a featherweight bout between Pat Sabatini versus Diego Lopez. Uh, Sabatini is a compact wrestler kickboxer. He's flexible with his... Uh, He's flexible with his movement as he knows how to move on the outside but can also stay in open space just outside kicking range to create exchanges. Sabatini fights out of a wide bladed stance which he uses to cover distance well, uh, throws tight hooks uh, well with decent counterpunching skills and he's another user of snap kicks from orthodox and southpaw. He uses the threat of his wrestling well to set up strike and also vice versa, especially using his kicks as penetration steps or as means of closing the distance to get takedowns. He's good at catching kicks and converting into takedowns too, so he's also a, a takedown threat on the counter. Overall, he is a good trained wrestler, but he needs uh, decent entries to get going. He can get denied uh, early if he doesn't get like clean on the hips or, or, on, or a leg. Sabatini's A-game is on the mat as he brilliantly mixes wrestling rights and BJJ top control to smaller opponents. He lands good ground and pound and set up submissions well with the ground and pound. He's especially dangerous with wrist rights and he can use ground and pound to advance or threaten with submissions, use the submissions to advance position or to open paths to, to ground and pound. It's all a very like well put together system. And if he gets to like the back, take he can uh, start threatening with the arm triangles with the rear naked choke not only that he's also a skilled leg locker too uh, the leg locks not only give him options to scramble from bottom but also he likes to use um, leg locks to force resets and generate scrambles to get to a different top position he's very good at ending out on top on different scrambles all that said, Sabatini is a lot better offensively than defensively. His striking defense is somewhat, sh- somewhat shallow and depends a lot on retreats or changing levels. And his takedown defense is not impenetrable. He can be put on his back even. And there he's a very good grabber, obviously. But but yeah, uh, Sabatini can outfight, but he likes to control the pace during the striking. So he does tend to get um, less effective uh, under heavy pressure. 
but his transitions and the incorporation of striking and grappling, I would say, get better after the fight move on for Sabatini. Uh, his opponent is Diego Lopez, a long and very aggressive BJJ fighter who mostly boxes on the feet. Uh, most of his game revolves around countering entries with tight hooks that he throws with big pop and good mechanics. Uh, Diego Lopez doesn't move his head much, but he throws back at every opportunity, answers in combination, and him throwing tight allows him to block shots and also scare opponents. His defense can improve when he's using his jab to draw counters and he can slip into his sound counters. Uh, he's a bit more sloppy moving forwards though, as he can lose stance trying to track opponents. And he does a good job of backing up opponents and punishing the body as they retreat, especially with the left hook. He can also actively look for clinches where he does a good use of his length to attack with knees and tight hooks. And especially during breaks, anyone with good tight hooks is going to be dangerous in those situations. If he drives opponents to the cage with his advancements or clinches, he will drop for the legs looking for takedowns. But unless he gets like an easy connection of the hands uh, for the double, he's not a very layered wrestler. But if you allow him to work, like grab a leg, grab a double leg, uh, he, he's a capable wrestler. Uh, his jiu-jitsu is his A game and he's a very aggressive player that advances orientally from top and will actively transition from submission attempt to the next one instead of looking like to establish a control position. Uh, similarly, his guard game is kind of uh, is the, the guard game of Diego Lopez is kind of on the old school side uh, because he will attack like arm bars and triangles, but he also and he also will uh, roll for the legs a lot from guard. He's very mobile and agile there. Uh, sometimes to generate space, but usually the thing with Diego Lopez is that he's committing to the submission attempts a hundred percent. Uh, the biggest weakness for Diego is the lack of variety on the standard game, uh, the takedown defense that is pretty lackluster, and his reliance on submission attempts from bottom. Uh, especially because his submission attempts usually don't give him the the path to get back to his feet. Uh, I think Lopez always has a chance against grapplers just because he's so aggressive and resourceful with his submission attempts. But this might be one fight where he might want to keep it on the feet. Sabatini is not a freebie on a striking bout, but Lopez will come into the fight with a non-negligible reach and power advantage, and he could put his combination boxing to good use here. Uh, Lopez would also be wise to create any space he gets to get up and force Sabatini to shoot, so he maybe can try his look with the front headlock series. I would not advise Lopez to try to play like prolonged guard game against uh, Sabatini. Uh, despite Lopez's reputation as a BJJ guy, Sabatini's easiest path to victory here should be controlling from top, I think, landing ground and pound, uh, particularly from neutralizing positions, uh, the wrist rights, I see like a path to victory for for Sabatini here. Um, and because other than the guillotine sweeps, uh, the takedowns should come very easily for him here. Uh, Lopez has a chance both in the stand-up and off his back. He probably always does, but Sabatini is probably one of the best prepared dudes to neutralize his guard game from top position in the whole division. So I'm taking Sabatini by decision here. We're back to even more lightweight action as the next fight pits Matt Frebola versus Benoit Saint-Denis. Uh, let's begin with uh, Frebola. Frebola is well-rounded, solid everywhere. 
Historically, his striking has been disjointed and kind of wonky and has relied on power and variety to make it work, but he has been improving his process, especially pairing entries well and making a better use of his powerful rear kick. Uh, Frebola likes to feint his way into uh, he likes to feint his way in to close distance with big short combinations, mostly with looping shots, but he can also straighten them for a clean one-two when he needs to. Uh, the, lacks, the lack of a nuanced jab for Frebola means he can have trouble maintaining volume though, but improvements in his feigning game have made uh, this issue a bit smaller, I would say. Uh, Frebola has lapses while on the defense and can be lured into like slow-paced fights, but he always keeps working despite the pace of the fight. Uh, he has very good eyes for striking transitions, uh, it's dangerous during clinch breaks with hooks, with knees, Frebola is a physically strong wrestler, he can surprise during transitions, but he's not a super layer takedown artist, but he has uh, quite a few tricks, uh, especially on the counter as a wrestler. Frebola, I would say he's like an insane scrambler, very active uh, on the clinch as well, he's very aggressive, uh, fighting um, uh, with strikes and pummeling. Frebola fights tired well, and, and the well-roundness of Frebola gets better, uh, with momentum, when he starts fighting better, like everything falls into pieces. So uh, you don't want Frebola to like uh, start getting an advantage in a fight. And other than that, like he has a good chin and great recovery. His opponent is Benoit Saint Denis, a large and aggressive southpaw with a big left kick. He will move forwards, probing with his right hand to set up kicks on all three levels, or a solid straight left hand that he throws to the head and to the body. Uh, the shake right hook gives, gives him a bit of protection against opponents looking to close the distance. And once Sun Denis connects, he will blitz alternating both hands without any head movement or mash finesse at all. But he has like big pop and the aggressiveness can make opponents pay for sure. He will look to punish retreats with wide hooks and long kicks to the body. And once he gets his opponents against the cage, he has a good transition from the straight left into the double leg. He's a decent chain wrestler with big physical strength. Uh, if the initial shot doesn't succeed for Sian Denis, he will try to move his opponent with a double leg attempt, transition to a single leg. But what he wants is to work his way to the back. And instead of grabbing the, the waist cinch, um, he prefers the seat belt because he really wants uh, to take the back to go for the rear naked choke that is his money shot. On the ground, uh, Sian Denis is very good at achieving mount or taking the back, as I said, and he has a very solid arm triangle rear naked choke changeup. He also threatens constantly with the front headlock and also has leg attacks, so he's a very well-rounded grappler. Uh, he's hard to hold down and he's very willing to re-engage, to stay on top, to to just wear on his opponents. Uh, the defense from Saint Denis on the feet is lacking, uh, depends a lot on his aggression to not be hit, and he's very vulnerable on the back foot. As, and during exchanges as well, he keeps the shin way up high. He, uh, Sandini has been hurt repeated times, but he has excellent recovery and the heart on this guy is, cannot, be, cannot be questioned, man. Uh, in what promises to be a war, Sandini faces his bigger challenge since his debut away class up against Eliseo Salaiki dos Santos. Uh, his aggression and the danger he presents both on the feet and on the ground will always give him at least a decent shot in most outings and this one is no exception. 
What Frebola has going for him here is not only the experience, but he also has the physicality, greediness to compete with the French here. Uh, Frebola has faced elite grapplers and southpaws in recent, memo uh, in recent memories, uh, so he won't be seeing many new looks from Saint-Denis, I think. Uh, he also has been winning the chaotic exchanges against brawlers, so those are like very good experiences that Frebola has been acquiring in the last few fights. Uh, Saint-Denis seems unbreakable. He's confident, very confident, and knows what he wants to do. So the chances of him putting the pace and grind on Frebola are, are not small here. But I think I got a side with Frebola who will probably have answers in every area and will have tools to punish Benoit for some of his worst habits. I'm picking Frebola by decision. Strawweight division is up next. We have a bout between Jessica Andrade and Mackenzie Dern. So... Andrade uh, wants a physical juggernaut. The long career of Andrade has finally seen her on a physical decline, I would say. While still an athlete to be reckoned with, the few steps uh, she has been losing in speed and strength are apparent, in my opinion. Uh, her always present technical flaws are more present than ever now, right now. Um, and this is only augmented not be, not only on the technical side, but uh, on the physical side, but... Uh, but by her inconsistency, performance to performance. That said, Andrade still have good qualities. She still is a very big hitter with power in both hands and will throw her hooks in combinations, looking to punish the body to great effect as well. Uh, when she remembers to, she can use leg kicks well. He has, she has heavy leg kicks, uh, not with a lot of setups though. And the same goes for head movement. When she remembers to move her head, she can be... She can be hard to hit, but the presence of said head movement has been hit or missed. Andrade is good at tracking power with double hooks around the cage, but her pressure in footwork falls apart once she starts exchanging. Um, so she has trouble staying on top of people. She has good takedown defense against the fence, and her strength allows allow her to get hard underhooks. Also, her footwork and head positioning uh, when defending takedowns are on point, I would say. Andrade historically has being frustrated by good movers on the outside and clinches in open space. Uh, her shin seems to not be at its best anymore, but the cardio still seems to be holding on. On the other hand, we have Dern, uh, BJJ Ace. Uh, Dern has been seeing steady improvements in her hands under the tutelage of Jason Parillo, and that aided by her athleticism and natural power. She's still not a polished striker, but what used to be like a decent jab and a mess of a powerful right hand uh, is now replaced by an ability to string long combinations together that at the very least like keep Dern on stance and allow her to deliver power from both sides. And you know like when you start putting shots together and the other fighter is not uh, throwing back, you're, you're gonna find something, especially if you're throwing with good power. Uh, defense during exchanges can be an afterthought for Dern, but the pop and aggressiveness can push opponents either to back up or close to the clinch. And when Dern is forced to close distance herself, things can get a bit messier. Uh, can, Dern can lose her footing with matching combinations with her hair up in the air, but the power remains and he can find a use for these tactics against uh, retreating opponents who are scared of the takedown. 
In the clinch, she's a solid judo player with a variety of trips and tosses from both overhooks and underhooks. She has some variety for her to her clinch uh, takedown game. And her strength can help her grind takedown attempts against the cage on the ground. Uh, Mackenzie Dern is simply elite. She's a brilliant scrambler with a variety of options from basically all positions. Uh, not only her technique, but also her speed and her flexibility make her ground game even more dangerous. Arm bars, rear naked chokes, and leg locks have been uh, what she finds in MMA. And she pursues them aggressively, giving up position. Uh, because the thing with Dern is that she doesn't care about losing position. She has sweeps and scramble options from everywhere. She has a very deep flow chart to pull from. Uh, the striking defense still remains um, uh, the main weakness for Mackenzie Dern, I would say. She also has been outstruck in the clinch before. Uh, but obviously there's the, the danger of the takedown there. Uh, lastly... Uh, heavy top co heavy top control grapplers uh, with good fundamentals can stay on top of Mackenzie Dern and close guard. We've seen that before. So what another thing to consider. Uh, Andrade here uh, once again faces a dangerous grappler like she did against Suarez against Blanchfield. Uh, Dern not as big uh, as either of those two, and obviously not the wrestler. Uh, that that Suarez is and obviously like not as big and Blanchfield probably even better in the clinch that Dern is when it comes to takedowns. Uh, what Dern does bring to the to this fight is her ability to crack with her punches and the the hand speed. Uh, she can compete with Andrade, exchange it with the hand speed. Uh, Dern does present openings for Andrade. Um, as I already said, she doesn't have much in the way of defense during exchanges. So either of the two could fall to the power of the other here. Andrade can certainly catch Dern hard during an exchange. And Andrade, even in her current form, should not be easy to take down at all. Uh, unless she does like something dumb. Uh, that said, and given the momentum both fighters are coming in, I think I gotta side with Dern. Her power will allow her to compete. Uh, has the open space clinching to her favor and also like the grappling safety blanket if she gets hurt she can just like go to her bag and stall there I think Darren gets the submission on the second round here Cool main event time we have a fight for the interim heavyweight championship is Sergey Pavlovich versus Tom Aspinall Pavlovich is an uber-confident puncher with dynamite on his hands. Uh, there's not much behind Pavlovich's game. Uh, he moves forward, moving his upper body, throwing stiff jabs, waiting for his opponent to either cover up, wait or throw something that he can counter. He mostly counters with the overhand right or the left hook and follows up with the other one, occasion occasionally mixing the uppercut, especially his long rear uppercut that he can sneak through the guards. Uh, he manages distance decently well and he hides behind his shoulder during the first few punches of a combination But after that he just wagers on his power and his chin to win uh, The timing accuracy and high speed of Pavlovich are all very good and That makes him an ever-present danger in any fight and he seems to be patient Until he starts having success and then he just lets he just lets <laughs> 
he just he just let the hands go. <laughs> I cannot talk at all. Uh, the fierce layer of takedown defense has looked solid so far and in the clinch he usually scares people throwing uppercuts and hooks quickly off single color ties. Other than his loss to Overeem where he got taken down and controlled in the clinch, we still don't know much about Pavlovich I would say, especially at this level of competition. His opponent Aspinal, well-rounded, mobile, athletic kickboxer, he fights out of a bladed, bouncy stance Aspinal is uniquely agile for the heavyweight division. At range, he will look to jab or use his kick, his quick kicks to score damage, looking to set up his powerful right hand that he can throw straight or looped. If opponents close distance on him, he can counter with knees, the check hook or grab clinches where he's good at circling and hitting big elbows and knees during breaks. Uh, Aspinal has shown good takedowns driving with the double or surprising with a reactive body lock. Uh, top game also looks very solid with good base for top control, solid ground and pound, and has and the dude knows how to finish a submission. We've seen with the rear naked choke, with the arm attacks. Uh, not much is known in the way of weaknesses for Aspinal. Not saying that he looks perfect, but we haven't seen him face adversity much. Uh, but some of his habits could be concerning, especially his defense that mostly relies on either backing up with his feet on a straight line or leaning back. Uh, cardio and mental toughness are unknown at this level. In a silly big heavyweight fight, you have Aspinal who seems capable of doing a bit of everything against Pavlovich who does mostly just one thing but he clearly, clearly knows what that is. Pavlovich's ability to swarm and speed is probably exactly what is needed to exploit Aspinal's habits, especially if there isn't much there. Uh, to his game pass, what we have already seen. That said, I gotta side with Aspinal here as someone who can match his athleticism and probably won't be confined to fight Pablo exclu exclusively on the realms that he likes. Unlike many other heavyweights that have been forced to exchange punches with Pavlovich, Aspinal has a lot more going for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, very hard to predict. I'm going Aspinal by first round knockout here. And with that, we're finally at the main event for the vacant light heavyweight championship. We have Jiri Prochaska versus Alex Pereira. Let's begin with Jiri. Jiri, big, athletic, and very funky striker. Uh, Prochaska switches stances often and fights from a wide low stance that is very front foot heavy with, with his head over his lead knee. Uh, he's usually jabbing or fighting hands. Jiri is active both with his hands and with kicks and is const constantly fading in one way or another. Uh, Jiri has a very good understanding of rhythm and timing and he's also clever uh, setting up his offense. Uh, even though he can be he can be a bit inconsistent with his shot selection, sometimes he doesn't use the, the whole array of tools that he has. Uh, takedown defense has also been uh, inconsistent for Jiri. Uh, he can be surprised shifting, looking to close the distance, or made to lose balance during Shane wrestling attempts. As a grappler, he's solid, I would say. Uh, Jiri has a remarkable ability to survive choke attempts. Um, he has very good timing and feel for when to explode into athletic reversals from bad positions. Uh, the, eccentric, the eccentricities from Jiri do leave a lot of openings. 
despite having like good eyes and ideas about hip movement, he's hitable mostly because of the messiness of the footwork, the mechanics of his of his stance and his hip movement. Uh, other than questionable decision making, though, uh, the attributes for Jiri seem to be like maxed out. Uh, he has good cardio, he has an insane chin, and the mental toughness. Everything seems to be top notch for Prohaska. And his opponent, Pereira, the former elite kickboxer, very tall, fights from an upright stance. Pereira at range mostly looks to fight behind a very stiff jab and quicks and quick but heavy calf kicks that he throws with very little tail. Uh, he's mostly looking to find openings for his devastating combination puncher, uh, combination punching. Uh, the defense inside the pocket uh, for Pereira mostly uh, relies on like distance management, like taking small steps back, leaning back, hiding behind his shoulders. Uh, also parries, uh, but he doesn't have like a like a very like nuanced uh, system. He depends a lot on his size to defend, and when he gets going with the combinations, he can get reckless. But but the thing is that he's a ferocious puncher with great mechanics. Good shot, uh, good shot selection, good timing. Obviously, the left hook is the signature strike for Pereira, but he packs big power on the right hand as well. And he can throw like a laser of a straight right hand, or he can throw like a tight right hook similar to his left one that is very damaging as well. Pereira has great ability to throw knees, and he's very good at sneaking them into the high guards. He can leap with the with the knees, or he can mix them up in in the middle of a combination inside the pocket. Pereira would say he has decent cardio when it comes to striking. Uh, as a grappler, still a work in pro in process, uh, especially as a wrestler. Uh, a lot of flaws still there as a wrestler, but the footwork and athleticism allow him to defend like telegraph takedowns. So he, he won't be takedown. He won't be taken down by nothing, you still need like a decent entry. Uh, in the clinch he has good balance, but he could be a lot better when it comes to pummeling for underhooks or wizards. Uh, but sometimes he starts fighting reads, and I think that's that could be very good for him. Uh, when he has been taken down, he has shown patience, especially inside the close guard. Uh, he can attack with elbows, uh, stay here... Uh, stall people from the close guard and when he fights the opportunity he can scoot to the cage and wall walk so that's an interesting development for him uh, just like the main event this one is very hard to predict uh, Pereira does have quite a few tools that will come very handily here uh, the stiff jab uh, both to the head and to the body uh, the brutal calf kicks especially against someone like front hoof foot heavy as Jiri and the trademark left hook inside the pocket all of those could be game changers in this fight. But it's very hard to pick Pereira here against a guy that is so durable, conditioned, and well-rounded as Jiri is. Uh, Jiri should have a big, big advantage if they grapple. And as much as Jiri is saying that he's not going to grapple, I think he probably will at one point. Pereira has more than a decent edge in the matchup when it comes to striking alone. But he still has like this shaky quality about him when he's thinking about takedowns. Uh, the defense of Pereira especially is not very sharp in, in an MMA context just because he's thinking so much about uh, the takedowns, I think. And 
And yeah, just because of that, I got to side with Giri. Uh, even without takedowns, I think Pereira, ha, when he has them in their mind, in his mind, uh, he, the defense star, starts to look not so great. Um, but yeah, I think Pereira has a lot of like big advantages, but a lot of those get nullified in this matchup. Um, just because of the disparity in the grappling, not that... Not that Jiri is like this super dangerous black belt, but he's like a big dude with solid grappling. We saw the the scrambles that he kept winning against a Glover. Even though he was losing for most of the fight, we saw at the end how Prochaska prevailed. Uh, I would like to pick Pereira, especially because he has some very good tools for the for the matchup, but I don't really trust him. I'm picking Jiri Prochaska to regain his title with a knockout on the second round and that's the card guys um i think this one will be very fun to watch to be honest um the two title fights are very silly but i doubt they're going to be boring at all uh, my recommendations um there's a lot actually uh busuki versus jamal emers works fine as an opener uh, i'm good with that uh, the sleeper hit uh, here is Joshua Bam versus Kevin Borjas. This one is going to be very, very good. I'm very excited about this one. Uh, Mr. Perfect versus Castaneda is fine. Gordon versus Madsen is fine. Sadikov versus Borshev is another one that I'm very excited for. This one is going to be action-packed. <laughs> Unless, like, Sadikov just wrestles and doesn't finish from top. But if this guy strikes, this one is going to be bonkers. Um, Borshev have has been making uh, improvements in the in the wrestling, so who knows? Uh, Rambeski versus Rob. Uh, the thing with this card is that it doesn't have any bad fight. That's I think that this is a first uh, since making the full preview. Like this doesn't have like unranked heavyweights, unranked light heavyweights, boring middleweights, nothing of that. And I'm not saying just because of the of the weight classes present here. Obviously we have a, a heavyweight and a light heavyweight uh co-main and main event respectively but but there's like super funny fights with uh I mean fun fights with interesting fighters. Even even the flow of the guys like Pavlovich in these fights are are interesting to me. And every fight is good here. Every fight, it's good. Um, the only one with like maybe potential to be boring would be like uh, Tabata Rishi versus Lupita, but I don't think Lupi is going to to allow for that. So yeah, I'm I'm like not not one fight here. It's make me like super hyped. Like like this is not like. Uh, this doesn't feel big like as a, a fight for the welterweight title for the lightweight title. Uh, in that sense, uh, it's not that. But when it comes to fights that I think will be very entertaining, uh, I think every fight delivers here. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this one. I'm excited. Uh, the main event is very intriguing, and the co-main too, to be honest. Uh, so yeah, I mean, good, good shit. Uh, I approve of this pay-per-view. And that would be the fight, guys. I mean, that would be the podcast, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry again for. Uh, recording this so late in the week as you guys know I did an article uh, by the way check the article I wrote about Sex San um, a Muay Thai fighter that is having success in one fighting championship 
so yeah, check that article out because he's very, very cool. And, and yeah, a lot of research goes into this. And I'm sometimes scared of uh, doing research earlier just because they cancel so many fights. Uh, for example, uh, the Rambeski fight got announced on like Tuesday. They got a, a replacement for him. But yeah, I mean, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Thank you so much for your support, guys. Uh, and remember to support the fight site on Patreon if you can. Check out the links in the description for the two-man thing for the Patreon for the fight site. Also, if you want to commission something to me, that's also an option. Thank you so much, guys. I'll see you on Saturday. We'll be commenting the fights. Bye.